From member-supported CPR News, this is Purplish, a show about Colorado politics and democracy. I'm Andrew Kenny here with my colleagues Benta Berkland in Denver and Caitlin Kim in Washington, D.C. Hey, guys. Hi. Today, we are going to talk about the U.S. Senate race between Democratic challenger John Hickenlooper and Republican Senator Cory Gardner. High stakes, weird ads, and a conservative incumbent who is hoping that Colorado is still a little bit purple. We're taping this on Thursday, October 1st, just one day before the first Senate debate. And I think it's going to be, I hope it's going to be a little different than the first presidential debate. Let's talk about that for a second. So regarding that Biden-Trump debate, mm-hmm. you know, a, a lot of chatter and consternation in the aftermath. And one voter I talked to, William Karspeck, I think he summed things up really well, a sentiment I've been hearing from a lot of different people. He's the mayor of the town of Berthoud, and that's a little town about an hour north of Denver. He did not think the first presidential debate went well. Wholly disappointing in substance and decency and kindness. In really every every regard, uh, we've waited so long for these final months and days, and that was the first time the two had a chance to really shine, and it was clear they didn't. What really got to me and what got to a lot of people was President Trump's final statements of to the Proud Boys of stand back and stand by. That's a nearly universal reaction. I don't know anyone who wasn't exhausted by that debate. I think in large part you saw the president interrupting, badgering, and at some point Biden hitting back, telling him to shut up, and then eventually Biden just speaking directly to the camera instead, which Mm -hmm. I thought was probably the most effective thing that you can do in a debate where you're not actually talking to each other. Yeah, there was definitely a lack of policy discussion. I think even when there was some policy policy discussion, you didn't get much out of it because like someone would be interrupt or like start talking back. And it was just this. I know a lot of people on Twitter and other people who have said this to friends that texted me a dumpster fire of a debate. I think I don't think anyone got anything out of it except maybe a headache. Now, in contrast, we're going to have this Senate debate between Gardner and Hickenlooper coming up. And I am willing to bet it's going to be very, very different. I I think that's a very safe bet. (laughs) Um, My evidence for that is just listen to these ads. This is what qualifies as an attack ad in Colorado. I'm looking forward to the debates, but which Cory Gardner is going to show up? This Cory voted nine times to gut protections for pre-existing conditions. This guy suddenly pretends he's for them. (laughs) This guy's got a lot to work through here. He thinks it's all about him. I'm Cory Gardner. I work hard to be effective with both parties. To do this job, you probably need to want this job. That's why I approve this message. First of all, I kind of love that music. I've ended up listening to it many times. I saw Caitlin's head bopping a little bit to the to the tune there. It's like the same song. Yeah, it seems like we might get passive aggression instead of aggressive aggression. Yes, I think it is like, I think both of them, as, as you guys have both noted before, they're both like very positive, happy people on the trail. And that's sort of the image that they mm. present. And that they don't necessarily want to go negative themselves. You know, that's the thing. They're not going to It's also something that voters don't like when people sort of go out and throw mud. They want to hear about issues. And I think both of them are going to try and and put forward, you know, where they stand. You know, that happy sort of music just reminds me of both of them. They're not like angry, serious guys. But it's funny because those commercials to me represent, like you said, these guys who have this happy, positive image trying to figure out how to criticize the other guy 
And I'm wondering what's driving that that change for them. What do you mean the change? Like, well, Hickenlooper famously has talked in the past about never wanting to run a negative ad, and Cory Gardner has this ad in the 2014 cycle where it's all about how my opponent's a nice guy, and now now you hear them trying to go a little bit more negative. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's going to be pretty spirited and somewhat combative. I wouldn't anticipate people talking over each other and really shouting. I mean, they are likable. Like like both of you said, I, I knew them at the Capitol. I covered Hickenlooper for eight years when he was governor. And I've heard that from so many voters and people just, especially with Hickenlooper, that he seems like a nice guy. Mm. And with Gardner, he's also, when you're with him, you know, a really warm personality and, you know, genuinely seems kind of this happy-go-lucky thing. And I mean, that nice guy persona definitely appeals to some voters. I talked to Vance Bunker. He's a general contractor. And he said he's planning to support President Trump and Cory Gardner. (laughs) For a politician, I think he's about as straight up as he can be. Um, I think he's a decent man. I I did not like when Hickenlooper just threw in the the magazine bans and the high-capacity stuff for weapons. I think that that idea of being likable and approachable is, is part of each of their brands. Yeah, maybe there's not enough room for two nice guys on the same stage. No, I think I think after the presidential debate, you do want room for two nice guys on the stage because <laughs> at least because you know the, the whole entire thing about a debate is that, so you can actually debate and talk about the issues, and you mm-hmm. didn't get a lot of that in the presidential debate at all. And yeah. I think voters are kind of hungry for it, especially voters who are, you know, th- that small group who might still be undecided. Let's talk briefly about what each of them will be trying to accomplish in this upcoming debate. I see um, Gardner, obviously, is trying to establish that even though he's frequently sided with the president, that he's kind of this bipartisan senator who's going to work for Colorado interests. What do you guys see Hickenlooper is trying to accomplish? First off, Democrats are trying to establish that Cory Gardner is not this person who gets things done and is in lockstep with the president, doesn't stand up to the president, isn't a different kind of Republican or a different kind of politician, mm-hmm. and that Hickenlooper will go to D.C. and try to make things better and make change. And I think the other thing that, that Hickenlooper will have to do is address the ethics charges that, that the Gardner campaign and Republican-affiliated groups have been sort of throwing at him through the ads that we've all seen on TV. That's right. It's a fight over who's the real nice guy. Well, you know, Gardner is essentially trying to portray Hickenlooper almost as like a corrupt nincompoop in these ads. I've definitely talked to voters from across the political spectrum that have been influenced by those ads. Uh, Jackie Nelson is a microbiologist and she considers herself a fiscal conservative. She's planning to vote for Trump, but she hasn't decided who she's going to support in the Senate race. She said it's likely Gardner, mainly because she hasn't liked what she's heard about the Ethics Commission determining that that Hickenlooper violated the state's gift ban twice while governor. It seems like politicians using our, you know, taxpayers' money for their own purpose, you know, I need to do some small homework and research about some of the information that's come about, some ethics issues. What's funny is that Hickenlooper's problems stemmed from the opposite of taxpayer money. Yeah, right. What they what they found that he had done wrong was accepting gifts from corporate donors like a uh, flights aboard planes that he shouldn't have uh, accepted under the state's gift ban, which he argued was saving the state money. But clearly the the details of it set aside, people see this kind of stink of, of unethical behavior about him. And so did the Independent Ethics Commission. I think it's also worth noting that for some people, this election isn't even really about Gardner or Hickenlooper. 
it's just it's about control of the Senate. Mm-hmm. It's tied to the yes. presidential race. Yes. And it's it's almost bigger than anything the two of them could say. I wonder if that's more common on the Democratic side. No, I think you're actually hearing a lot of this on the Republican side, especially when it comes to the Senate. I mean, if there is one goal of Mitch McConnell's, it is to keep the Senate in Republican hands. And, you know, there have been some little fundraising clips that the Gardner campaign has sent out from some of his colleagues, Republican Senate colleagues, talking about, you know, what great work he's doing, what great work he's doing for Colorado. And then they include this. Let's join Corey's grassroots campaign. Let's help him win this seat. And let's make sure we keep our Senate majority. It will help Cory Gardner and it will help Republicans hold the Senate. Vote and volunteer because we need Senator Gardner back here with us. Let's keep the Senate in reasonable hands. Vote Cory Gardner, please send money. In reasonable hands. <laughs> yes, well, and the last one was uh, Lindsey Graham and, and sort of for political nerds like us, that last little, I left that last little bit in because of his Fox interview who's saying he needs money as well. And he's also finding himself in a, in a mm. tight race. So I thought it was funny again, political nerd. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but this, this goes to the heart of it for a lot of Republicans. You know, it's not just about getting Cory Gardner back in the Senate. It's about keeping the Senate in Republican hands. And, and Democrats are also talking about flipping the seat. I mean, this, this plays on both sides of the aisle. And you are seeing that um, for Democrats who are stumping for Hickenlooper about how important it is that, that Democrats get control of the Senate. So as both of you have mentioned, it really is more about this larger umbrella of who controls the Senate. You know, personally, I think it probably is an advantage to Hickenlooper. It's, it creates a bigger headwind, I think, for Cory Gardner, because I think Cory Gardner is going with the whole entire idea still that politics is local, right? And he can say, this is what I'm doing for the state. This is why you should send me back. It's these local issues. Hmm. But the Senate race itself is cast in this larger national political issue. Well, I've talked to quite a few voters who, you know, the Supreme Court wasn't top of mind for them. But then I think for other voters and certainly core members of both political bases, the Supreme Court just kind of galvanizes uh, people around the Senate race. Because, I mean, for for some Democrats who are nervous Trump is going to win, they feel like, the only backstop we really have is flipping control of the Senate. Mm. And then um, likewise, if Republicans are, you know, what, depending upon what happens with the presidential race, you know, this is key for getting a lot accomplished well, uh, for this, the GOP. This upcoming debate will be the first time that Gardner has had to directly take questions about his stance, which is that he will vote on President Trump's nomination for the Supreme Court. Well, one voter I talked to, um, his name's Mike Solter, and he mentioned the Supreme Court. He said he's planning to vote for Biden and Hickenlooper. Uh, he doesn't want significant change, but he describes it as just a return to normalcy. That phrase Re- again. Yes, exactly. And he remembers Hickenlooper when Hickenlooper was mayor of Denver because he spoke at, at Mike's college graduation. And I remember it distinctly. Now that said, I'm not exceptionally thrilled about John Hickenlooper. He is a fairly good moderate candidate. That being said, I think Corey Gardner on the Supreme Court is dead wrong. I think the hypocrisy coming out of the Republican side on that one, and I mean, that would go whether I was a Republican or Democrat. I think if you're going to set a standard, you should stick to it. So that'll be a big challenge for Gardner. As we've discussed in the past, he's said repeatedly, you know, you and I may not agree talking to the voters, but I'm this kind of bipartisan guy. I'm not that ideological. I'm representing Colorado interests. But he has to square that with the way he has continued to align with 
Republicans nationally on issues like this. Yeah, I think that's going to be the uh, a hard hurdle. Well, not a hard hurdle, but I think that's going to be the hurdle he'll be facing in in that first demo, uh, in that first debate, and not just like on on the Supreme Court, but you know, going back to the debates and things we've talked about before, you know, the president's inability to stand up to white supremacy and and other mm-hmm. larger issues where Trump sort of you know you, you see it here in the Senate all the time, like trying to get a senator to talk about a Trump tweet and they're all like, no, I haven't seen it. You know, it's just Trump being Trump. But at a certain point, you know, Senate Republicans do have to kind of answer to what the head of their party is doing. You know, we've got in this next week, three U.S. Senate debates in Colorado. Um, and on October 9th, Colorado Public Radio will be hosting a debate with the Denver Post and Channel 7. And I think these debates, you know, people will argue how important are debates. I think it is going to be important. I've, I've talked mm-hmm. to so many voters from across the political spectrum, which very understandably haven't been following the Senate race really closely. They've maybe seen, seen some ads, but with the presidential race and pandemic and People have very busy lives. A lot of people told me they wanted more information. Some people were undecided. Some people were maybe going to do Hickenlooper, maybe Gardner, but they had a lot of questions. And especially with Senator Gardner, yes, he's a U.S. senator, but senators don't get as much media coverage. And he he didn't lead the state as governor. So I think he's yeah. less well known in some ways, even though he is the incumbent. Yeah. And he's the one who's fighting upstream here. So I, I think it is more important for him to try to clear up that definition of himself. Exactly. And I think that will be the challenge for him. I mean, he is an incumbent who's running behind and this is the debate will be an opportunity for him to really sort of focus on how he's tried to help Colorado in his six years. Well, that'll be something to listen for in the next week or two. Before we go, I wanted to share our regular moment, our wait what section where uh, we pick up on something that just piqued our attention over the week. For me, it was in the middle of this two-hour bombastic presidential debate. Uh, the president made a, a claim that even among many of his claims so stuck out to me a little bit. Well, you're sending it in, they're sending it back, and you're sending... They have mailmen with lots of it. Did you see what's going on? Take a look at West Virginia, mailmen selling the ballots. They're being sold. They're being dumped in rivers. This is The a- mailmen selling ballots, and usually these are kind of funny, but I wanted to share this one because I had no idea what he was talking about. I think I missed that entirely. Well, there was so much crosstalk, you could hardly hear anything. It, it was so specific, though. So I, I, I looked it up, and it turns out that he was referring to an extremely bizarre case that I think actually illustrates just how this misinformation is spreading about mail-in voting. The next day... After the debate, the Republican Secretary of State for West Virginia said that, no, there hadn't been any cases involving ballots being sold. What had happened, this was a mutation of a case earlier this summer where, for some bizarre reason, a mailman took a black ink pen and altered people's ballot requests in a primary. He pleaded guilty to this, and the result Mm -hmm. of it was that five people who requested originally Democratic ballots ended up getting a Republican ballot instead. So, not widespread fraud, bizarre felony by a mailman. Wow. I mean, when I've talked to Republicans or or people who are going to back Trump, and this isn't the whole universe, but just Mm. people I've interviewed in Colorado, they all told me they were still planning to vote by mail and that they trusted Colorado's mail-in voting system. Yeah, we've heard that often. Exactly. And I would also just say, you know, as much as Trump is inaccurately talking about widespread fraud in in, in voting in America, you know, there is no evidence of that 
at all. I mean, he talked about this in 2016, too, and there was no evidence of this. His commission that he tried to put together. I mean, like voting in America is safe and secure. It frustrates me to no end to constantly have to. Yeah. We, we have to constantly go back and say it's safe to do mail in ballot. And this one stood out to me because this is like how things spread on Facebook. One thing happened that affected five people, and suddenly the president is saying in the middle of a debate that a completely different thing happened, and it's his proof for a widespread conspiracy. So I, I, I was wondering, though, in the aftermath of all this, how did this mailman even get access to these forms to alter them? Because wouldn't they be in an envelope? So I called up the Secretary of State's office in West Virginia, and what they explained to me was that they had to print out so many of these ballot request forms. Uh, this was in the primary election this year. Mm-hmm that they went with postcards instead of with envelopes. So all these people were sending in their personal information, what party they wanted, via a thing that was just open to this mailman to pick up and change huh. the markings on. Wow, that is just such a bizarre story. Yeah. Well, and it illustrates how you know weird decisions or, or problematic decisions that are being made about how to roll out mail balloting on this widespread basis are being turned into a conspiracy theory. Right. I mean, and I think there's a difference between widespread voter fraud versus there probably are going to be some issues with mail voting as states try to scale up. There Absolutely. are logistical challenges. Yeah. And, and we should acknowledge that. There are ballots that don't get processed or sitting out there. I mean, it's not widespread fraud, but I think that nothing's 100% perfect. No, it's not. Except us. Yeah. On this show. <laughs> Except for you in particular, Caitlin Kim. And what the mailman said was it was a joke. God. Wah, wah. Well, I think that'll do it for this week's episode. Purplish is a production of member-supported Colorado Public Radio. Learn more about becoming a member and join today at CPR.org. I'm Andrew Kenny with my colleagues Benta Berkland and Caitlin Kim. And don't forget, CPR, Denver 7, and the Denver Post will be hosting a debate between Senator Cory Gardner and former Governor John Hickenlooper Friday, October 9th at 5 p.m. You can submit your questions for the candidates by leaving us a voicemail at 303-871-9191, extension 480. We'll be back in your podcast feeds next week. Until then, this is Purplish from CPR News.